0: Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey, where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith.
1: Welcome to Financial Flight Academy, where once again, it is wheels up time. In this episode, we meet Brent Connolly, one of the two hosts of Financial Flight Academy. Brent will be grilled by his founding partner at Soar Wealth Strategies, John Schutz, on why he became a financial advisor.
2: Well, it is great to be back on Financial Flight Academy and uh, a much less interesting guest than last time, but <clears throat> since that was me, uh, but Brent Connolly, uh, my co-founding partner here at Sorwell Strategies. It's great to have you here because uh, I know that your story is what we want to do here. We want to introduce folks to people who've taken a, a leap of faith at some point in their life, whether it's their personal life, in business, in the community. And these are people that we help every day at Sorwell Wealth Stra- Strategies, retirees, uh, people approaching retirement, business owners, folks just
1: starting out. So Brent, are you ready to tell us your story? I'm ready. Thank you for that very kind introduction. Yes. Man, it's what I do. It's what I do. Episode so, two. Yeah, been can- I know. Have been canceled I, it's yet. It's
2: hard to believe right? that uh, we are still here. Uh, and folks, if uh, you like what you hear here today, and this first part should be no indication, uh, subscribe to the podcast and let folks know about it and share it because uh, we do hope to teach you about some financial financial uh, yeah the we, financial help that we provide Yeah, literacy here. yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh good word yeah very good uh that's good from a guy who's bilingual. Ooh. we'll get to that later um so Brent, you know you are a guy who has pivoted careers like myself. but today when we talk about your story, who can benefit from your story you think
1: I, th- I think people that want to bet on themselves people that are out there that want to want more in life want want to follow their passion okay and sometimes that passion doesn't come to you right away sometimes you 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 don't find that until maybe there's someone that you know comes into your life that uh says that encouraging word or phrase or 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 writes you that note or or different things so i think that with all the negativity in the world today, we want to make sure that people realize that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of upside to what's going on out there now, a lot of positive things going on. And you want to make sure that you have that positive mindset to live life because life is short and you want to make sure you follow, you, you you follow your dreams and passion. Excellent. So,
2: and, and that can apply to anybody, no matter your income level, your financial situation.
1: Um, Absolutely.
2: Yep. So let's uh, talk about, um, your childhood Brent it sounds fascinating to me uh what what was what was uh money like growing up for you and your
1: family you know we were we were my sister and I came from you know basically a, a very loving family middle class family um we didn't want for anything um but one thing that was interesting as I've gotten to my career here is that we didn't really talk about money growing up and good or bad, you know, you don't want to burden your children or people with maybe money problems that might be going on. I don't think there was money problems going on growing up. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, statistics show that when you talk about money, you're more likely to, you know, have more money, or you're more likely to know where your money goes on a monthly basis. So there was a very interesting concept on how we never really talked about money, we learned about money in school, mom and dad would always, you know, make sure we knew the value of a dollar, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, we never really talked specifics on investing or or things like that.
2: Yeah. So how does that impact you when you start setting out on your financial journey, you think?
1: Yeah, well, you know, obviously there there's some some challenges and hurdles from time to time. Um, you know, I think about um, a young a young person growing up, either whether it's grade school or then into high school. Uh, I graduated from Westside High School. And one thing that really inspired me was a business class that I took there and how Uh, It was very interesting. At the beginning of the semester, we all picked a stock. (laughs) We did
2: that too. Right. It's probably harder for me because we only had a newspaper, but
1: go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. How many stocks were around when you were?
2: Well, it was a stone tablet actually instead of a newspaper, but yeah, continue. Go ahead and tell your story because mine's fascinating.
1: (laughs) So my uncle at the time had worked for Kellogg's. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to pick Kellogg's stock. And actually we did follow it in the newspaper. Oh, really? Good for you. But it was very interesting to learn throughout the semester about how stocks work and the fact that they go up and down and up and down. And it was a competition. As a competitive person with everyone else in class, you wanted your stock to outperform everybody else's.
2: Right. So can I quick interject? I know this is about you. It's usually all about you. But uh, (laughs) we did the same thing in in high school. Sure. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I just Mm -hmm. My dad had told me, oh, pick a low PE stock. So I pick out GPU. I didn't find out till later in the semester, GPU stood for general public utilities. And that very moment, they had a nuclear meltdown at Three Mile Island. So oh. my stock did not do very well. This is why This is why mm-hmm. I now look at risk and do a little deeper dive into what we talk about when we talk about investing. But anyway.
1: No, it's a great point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all I knew about Kellogg's is that I really enjoyed eating their cereal. Cornflakes were great. <laughs> And my uncle worked there and all right, we're going to pick Kellogg's. And so I don't remember how it turned out, but it was very interesting to me. Every, every week we would, you know, look at the paper, track the stock price. And, you know, one of the great teachers we had there would talk about, you know, you mentioned risk, right. And you talk about the different types of stocks and and, and the risk that could be involved in those.
2: The downside to that exercise is that it is usually less than a year that you're following that stock. And if you. But folks, timeframes, if you're buying a stock, that is a long-term investment and long-term is not 12 months. Correct. Okay, so that is just one of the concepts we hope you're familiar with when you come to see us.
1: But we talk about market volatility, especially now. And that really was an eye-opener at an early age (laughs) about how your stock price could be X and two weeks later, it could be Y and you're at the bottom of the class.
2: Right, right,
1: Yeah. right.
2: So tell me about, uh, do you ever make any, mistakes, financial, Every, by the way, everybody makes some financial mistakes.
1: Yes. Uh,
2: and, and I have people, we have people come to us who kind of beat themselves up over it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What, you know, we got to fix it. We'll fix it. Can't worry about what happened in the past, but did you ever make any financial mistakes?
1: Yes, I did. And that's a great point. We learn from our mistakes and if you make mistakes, that's okay, but you have to learn from those mistakes. Right. You don't make them again. And you're right. You know, when you go to college and you don't know a lot about money and you don't have a lot of money in college because you're eating ramen noodles and you may go to a football game to visit your friends and you sign up for a credit card to get a free T-shirt because you want a free T-shirt when you're (laughs) in (laughs) college. Anything free is good. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, I, I am not afraid to admit, yeah, I got in some trouble with some credit cards at an early age, but I learned from my mistake right away after those bills started coming in after a couple of months realizing, hmm. Yeah. Let's read the fine print here. 25% interest on this, uh, this card. Yeah. That's not so good for you. No, it's good for
2: the insurance, the uh, credit card company.
1: Right. Exactly. So making those mistakes, but more importantly, owning up to those mistakes and realizing that, okay, I've got to respect, you know, money and credit and the situation. And how am I going to, you know, overcome those and make sure that doesn't hurt my credit report.
2: So when, when did you get really into investing?
1: So once again, in college, um, you know, I always tried to surround myself with like-minded people. And there was a, there was a guy that we went to school together and this was really exciting time because the world wide web had just kind of showed up back in the mid (laughs) nineties for me at least. And so it was fascinating to be able to go online and buy stocks. Now, albeit we were poor college students, but penny stocks were certainly affordable. Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) You're making my ears bleed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Folks, ignore the penny stock
2: conversation. No, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead.
1: We're learning from our mistakes. Very
2: risky. Yes. Very
1: risky. But it was also very fascinating to be able to go online and have access to do that. But mind you, I didn't have a financial advisor. It was me and my buddy. And you know, $5 stretched a long way with a penny stock. But needless to say, those did not work out. Yeah. Right,
2: and can I tell you, I started investing on my own too, and thinking, "Oh, yeah, okay. I can do this." On my, and mm-hmm. you know, occasionally it's kind of like the gambler who only talks about his winnings, right. And never talks about his losers. After I got into this business, I have to say, "What the heck was I thinking?" Right? You know, you <laughs> we have people whose whole job is to follow a few stocks and uh, report back to folks and say, "Hey, that's a buy, that's a sell, that's a," mm-hmm. uh, and I'm out there as my part-time avocation, trying to pick stocks, things like that. Right.
1: I I was there to, you know, get my degrees and learn and, you know, prepare myself for the real world. I didn't have time to research those stocks. Right, I didn't have time to do those things. So once again, I had to, to learn the hard way now, albeit it was not a lot of money at that time, but still it really got me thinking, okay, like there are professionals that do this. And, uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So did you you ever get any advice
2: uh, from your parents on money?
1: Uh, I did, you know. And like I said, we came from a very, you know, middle class uh, family and uh, we never went without. But, you know, one thing that was very interesting is um, my father, when I got my first job out of college, uh, really talked to me in regards to 401ks and making sure that I understood, you know, if there was a matching at at my job at that time. And then to complement that, he got the investment bug going with a Roth IRA for me, and so um, I start to see that you know my work ethic was there to make money, but I wanted my my money to work for me, right? And so it was very uh, educational, interesting when he said, "Okay, take a look at this." And maybe it's because I was older, you know, and and now in the real world, and and you know maybe we didn't talk specifics obviously at a young age on 401ks because that would have been way over my head, but um, but no, that really got the investment bug going in me.
2: Yeah, here's a learning moment for a young person. Uh, general rule of thumb, you put away 12 to 16% of your gross income your entire life, you'll be able to live the same lifestyle in retirement that you were living prior to retirement. Mm-hmm. So you include that match the co- company gives you. Company match, free money. Free money. Take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's part of your compensation. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, enough And, and of that. that was a different side of the relationship I had with my dad as I got older, right? Because now we were talking about investments and money and, and I was, you know, a quote unquote adult. Right. And, and mind you, he never knew about the penny stock debacle in (laughs) in college. Um, (laughs) You
2: know, some things don't need to be said. Well, right. Uh, Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say it was, it was, it was the learning part of me that really got me excited. I was that investment nerd that started tracking my 401k and, and watching it go up and down. Um, and that you that could would, have
2: dropped investment from that sentence and just said nerd, but go ahead. <laughs> go
1: ahead. That, <laughs> you're right. I probably could have, Sorry. but anyway, derailed the thought derailed the thought. Yes. But you know, that was important for me to learn some basics, right? When you get that job, make sure you understand what that 401k is and how, like you said, the free money, the matching money, and then to complement that, making sure we're putting some extra money away. Um, that was important. And that really, really got me thinking about the investment bug. Let's take a little pause right here. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the podcast Financial Flight Academy, and we are so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to SoarWealthStrategies.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you.
2: All right. I'm with my founding partner, Brent Connolly here at Soar Wealth Strategies. Brent, uh, we were talking about how money was growing up uh, what about work? What was your first introduction into work? Because, okay, little little secret here, folks. Uh, we pride ourselves on here at Soar, Wealth, Soar Wealth Strategies on client service. Uh, nothing bothers me more than going somewhere like a restaurant mm-hmm. and getting poor customer service. Now, Brent, at our previous firm that we both came from, was in the top 1% of the firm in client service. We were in the top 10%, but uh, Brent was in the top 1%. So it's important to us. And so where did that come from?
1: It never gets old hearing you say that. I know. That. I, t- I am yeah.
2: paid to say that, by the way. A- and for the true. record,
1: we'd like to thank our uh, client um, service.
2: Right. Our, 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 our client relationship client managers. Client relationship managers. Brent. Thank you very
1: much, uh, Karen and Penny. And that's a team approach. And we're, we do pride ourselves on service. But I think that service mentality that helping mentality started early age. My dad was a hard worker and he knew that when I was 15 years old it was time to get a job, right? So my first job uh was sacking groceries at Baker's uh, supermarket, 84th and Frederick here in Omaha. Shout out to Baker's and Westside <laughs> High School. It was fun. A lot of my uh you know friends at Westside were there and we got a good time and I never forget there would be uh, some sweet, uh, some sweet ladies that you would carry their groceries out to their car and they give you a quarter. And that was exactly about you get a pop at the machine on break. So um, that was fun. And, and once again, kind of manual labor, not so much like episode one, where you're with a corn knife in a field, right? But but sacking groceries, cutting
2: weeds, to be clear. Yes, go ahead. <laughs>
1: But sacking groceries <laughs> really uh really was kind of that first starter job. I made four dollars and twenty-five cents an hour minimum.
2: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is uh takes a little while for that to build up. But uh yeah. So uh bakers, yep, taught bakers. taught you how to uh I don't know, carry groceries, but just yeah. just <laughs> talk to folks. I I think that's so important. That's what we did with our our kids. They mm-hmm. got jobs. Uh and it was important because, you know, my daughter worked at uh IV here in town. And I love what they teach these kids. Talk to people, ask people if they need help. Exactly. Uh, I yeah. think it's really
1: important. I've always been the type of person where they're, they're never a stranger, never afraid to talk to someone. Um, always been very you know outgoing. Multiple jobs after Baker's. I was a, a shoe salesman uh, at Converse Shoe Store when they were here locally. I always wanted to have money in my pocket. Okay, wait, why don't you ever have
2: a size 11? That's what I want to know. That's my size. I know it's very common. It is. I'm very, that's very frustrating. Anyway,
1: (laughs) continue. (laughs) Sorry. So, you know, selling shoes and then part-time we would do uh, a friend of mine, we would mow lawns and, and for extra money and always wanted to have money in my pocket. And, you know, we talk about here, making sure people have an emergency fund and learning that, you know, that's important. So when I wanted to go buy something, I didn't have to put money on that credit card right? I didn't have to do that. I had the emergency fund to pay off every month what I spent. And then as that money started to accumulate, I realized, gosh, this money's not working for me. Although I need to have something there? How do I get that money working for me? Because I'm, I'm busting my tail to working, you know, two, sometimes three jobs during the summer. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: So, uh, let's pivot here just a little bit. Um, you went to Northwest Missouri State University, home of the Bearcats.
1: Go Bearcats.
2: Yes. And uh, by the way, Brent is fluent in Spanish. He's not so good with English, but he's fluent in Spanish. T- tell a little bit about how that,
1: you know, your experience there. Sure. So when I went to Westside, we were required to take, I think, two years of foreign language at the time. And for whatever reason, even as an early child i you know everyone watches sesame street and i can still vividly remember counting to 10 in spanish from sesame street mm-hmm. and for whatever reason i always had that passion and wanted to learn another language now i didn't know anything about the fact that spanish would become a very you know very important here and as far as culturally in the world to learn that language but four years of uh spanish at west side and then when i went to northwest Missouri state i wanted to continue that Because I had a passion for it, it it wasn't a drag to go to Spanish class. It was fun, yeah, for whatever weird reason. So then I mean,
2: see, yes,
1: (laughs) gracias. (laughs) So then at Northwest there was an opportunity to do a study abroad program, which you know who would ever thought to have the opportunity to live in another country and really learn the language and culture. I was very lucky to go down to Mexico for a six month study abroad program with three other uh, friends of mine. Uh, we had so much fun. I lived with a wonderful host family that treated me like a son. It was an unbelievable experience. So I graduated with a Spanish degree along with a marketing degree. But I did originally want to become a teacher, and that's why I went to Northwest Missouri State.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. all right. So, but you never, you never got into teaching, is that right?
1: I, I did not. Um, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach, like you know, maybe a lot of high school athletes want to do. But uh, I, I always had this passion as well to be a business owner, and I knew that if I found my right niche that I could also use that passion for education as a business owner. Gotcha. Uh,
2: so any mentors along the way, those folks, you know, we talk about people who inspire you or have given you a kind word that really
1: let that light go on for you. Do you have any mentors along the way? Uh, many mentors, um, many mentors, many mentors, Mm -hmm. you know, there, it's amazing the teachers and coaches over the years that influence, um, athletes and 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 students and many over the years stick out we don't have enough time but this goes to making sure that you're you're listening to the right type of people and asking for help uh there was a gentleman named steve Sempek that um really uh helped mentor me when i had my first job out of school with the sherman Williams paint company and he would talk to me about not just investing but life in general and following your passion uh and being a business owner And, uh, Steve was a a business owner himself, uh, him and his wife owned a nursery here locally, but seeing his fire and passion and his, uh, his desire to, um, you know, own a business and make an impact in the community really, uh, really helped me out.
2: Right. So you always had this, uh, desire to own a business and that always sounds a lot simpler than it really is, as you know, we have (laughs) experienced here recently, but, um, but, uh, what was the attraction there?
1: You know, being your own boss, being able to um, wake up and see that name on the door and realize that that that's our company. You know, we are right. soarwell Strategies, and what we stand- find us
2: at soarwellstrategies.com And
1: we- <laughs> thank you very much. And what we stand <laughs> for is, you know, creating your own success. It's on the wall here, and and I love that about us is that we want people out there like ourselves to soar to their own success.
2: And, and if people want to take that leap, get into a business, you know, there's some planning that needs to go into mm-hmm. doing that and, and we can help folks with that.
1: So absolutely.
2: Uh, yeah. So I know this about you, uh, your work ethic. Uh, that's, that's always been an important part of what makes Brent Connolly, Brent Connolly. Mm-hmm. Where's that come from?
1: Oh, definitely comes from, you know, family upbringing. You know, parents were hard workers. Um, I surrounded myself with people that were hard workers, uh, whether it was, you know, a roommate in college that would that would go home uh, every fall to help his dad harvest and put in those, you know, 12 to 15 hour days. You know, I always surrounded myself with people that had the same work ethic and desire, not just to make money, but the desire to make their money work for them. And so I think that that was important. Um, growing up, I think, um, you know, you just have to make sure that, um, you're always, you know, taking a look at your, your, surroundings, who you're, who you're affiliated with as far as, you know, your, the circle you run with and things right. like that.
2: Exactly. And just because you made a poor choice with your business partner, that's just kidding. That's <laughs> just a little joke. Uh, so what got you working with a financial advisor? Why?
1: You know, it, it all started with, um, well, my friend I mentioned earlier, Steve, who said, you know, after you you leave this job, you want to make sure you're working with an advisor, make sure that you're putting your money in a professional's hands, because you don't have time to do the research. You don't have time to follow the trends and, and things like that. You, you're doing other things. So uh, that really got me started, started working with an advisor. And then, you know, eventually getting into the industry um, from that advisor and making sure that, um, I was equipped to, to do that person's job because I had the work ethic, I had the passion, I had the background as far as learning about investing. So that's really kind of what propelled me into the industry.
2: And, and what, given your experience, our experience in mm-hmm. this industry, what should people be looking for in a financial advisor? What's important uh, that a financial advisor brings to the table?
1: Well, there's a laundry list, obviously, that we could go to, but we don't have enough time. But I think, I think the big thing is is that a financial advisor is someone that is going to care about your goals and care about your money as much as you do. And that's, you know, most important, I think. Not only that, but they're there to discuss some of the, you know, for example, bigger purchases, homes, cars. Uh, We talk to clients about leasing cars versus buying cars. We talk to clients about all sorts of, Um, you know, financial circumstances that come up in their life. And having a trusted person that you can bend their ear for that advice is just very important. Um, People that work with advisors, statistics show are more likely to reach their goals and quite frankly, more likely to be educated on money and and probably have.
2: Yeah. And Vanguard, Vanguard, Kings of the No Load Mutual Fund have an outstanding white paper out there about the value that a financial advisor brings to a relationship. So you can just Google that or duck duck go that. Oh uh, nice. Vanguard, you know, I don't I like to equal bing it. Uh <laughs> well just it just if you search for a Vanguard white paper financial advisor, you'll find it.
1: Well in the education piece. I mentioned I wanted to be a teacher originally. So what better for me to Take my edu- passion for education and mirror it with my nerdiness for financials, yeah. if you will. <laughs> and I'm getting more nerdy by the day. Next to you, well, I might add, it does rub off. It does. But you know, I read a statistic the other day. You know, some 56 percent of Americans are unable to cover an unexpected thousand dollar bill right. with savings, and that was a telephone survey conducted uh, by Bankrate. I think I saw that. You know, and that that's sad, and I'm sure that could be. You know, I think we talked uh, about emergency savings in episode one and, and you know, just things like that. Um, gosh, it's important. Right. Well, Brent,
2: I got to say, uh, you really overachieved on this episode. Oh, I, wow. I, you know, you're much more interesting than I originally thought. So what I'm <laughs> hearing is follow your dreams, uh, have that passion for your dreams, maybe ask for help. Yes. Right. Especially if uh, you need some. Financial knowledge laid on you. And that's what we do here at Sore Wealth Strategies. Uh, go out there, interview advisors. If you're on the hunt for an advisor, we'd love for you to look at us. Mm-hmm. You can just find us at soarwealthstrategies.com or call the office at 531-867-3400. Talk to Penny and Karen and uh, we'll set up a fit meeting. Just see if we're a good fit for each other. There's no uh, no requirement that you do business with us. We'll just see if we are a good fit for each other. Uh, We want to hear from you. So uh, please subscribe to our podcast. Share it with those you love who might need a little financial knowledge laid on them. And uh, Brent, we'll see everybody next time on Financial Flight Academy.
0: Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at soarwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning securities and advisory services offered through commonwealth financial network member finra sipc a registered investment advisor